The moment that the Prime Minister saw the articles, ringed in red sitting on his desk, he personally rang up the Metropolitan Commissioner of Police at Scotland Yard. But it's not the Yard's policy to investigate provincial murders, sir, the Commissioner pointed out. And it's not my policy to stand by and do nothing while the children of England's ruling class are slaughtered like game birds in season, the Prime Minister replied tartly. Of course not, sir, the Commissioner of Police agreed hastily. But we still have to consider. I want your best man on the case, the Prime Minister interrupted. Perhaps if you discuss the matter with the Home Secretary, sir, he might be able to explain to you the the best officer you have, and I want him on it now. Is that clearly understood? Yes, sir, the Commissioner said. It's clearly understood. The man entrusted with the task of tracking down the fiend behind the killings was Superintendent Ernest Bullock, a sound officer with a great deal of experience and a strong record of convictions. He arrived in Derbyshire reasonably confident that he would have the case safely sewn up within a few days. Two weeks later, after working round the clock, and still having failed to come up with a single significant lead, that confidence had taken something of a battering and then a third girl's body was found, and a fourth, and a fifth. Emma Walsingholm was the ninth girl to have suffered the same grisly fate, and had Superintendent Bullock not been stricken with a severe case of influenza, this would have been the eighth murder he had fruitlessly attempted to solve. But the flu was undoubtedly what he had, and so it fell to others to pick up the burden. Saturday to Monday, Lost Weekend The sun was already setting when the two men who had inherited the Emma Walsingham case from the indisposed Superintendent Bullock climbed out of the pony cart and walked over to the ditch where the girl's body had been discovered. The first of the men, the elder, was in his middle thirties, nearly six feet tall, and without an excess ounce of fat on his spare frame. He had penetrating green eyes, a large nose that was almost a hook, a wide mouth and a square jaw. The other man was younger, shorter, and fatter. In a few years he would no doubt come to be regarded as avuncular, but at that moment he merely looked a little overweight. The taller man, Inspector Sam Blackstone, surveyed the miles of flat open countryside that surrounded the ditch. Looking around me, I don't see a lot of potential witnesses to the crime, Archie he said. Neither do I, but someone's bound to have seen something, even in a place like this, Sergeant Archie Patterson replied optimistically. You think so, do you? Blackstone asked. You'd have thought there'd have been witnesses to Jack the Ripper's murders, too, considering they all took place in the heart of London. But there weren't. And if it was that easy for Jack to go undetected, it must have been a bloody doddle for this bastard. At least there's a pattern, said Patterson, who was not willing to abandon his usual cheerfulness quite yet. Oh, there's a pattern, all right, Blackstone said dourly. In fact, there are two or three patterns when you come to think about it. The problem is that none of them make any sense, do they? No, I suppose they don't. Patterson agreed reluctantly. Why would the killer have mutilated the girls in the way that he did? Blackstone asked.
some men get pleasure from inflicting pain on women. True, but they like the women to be conscious enough to really appreciate the pain, to scream with the pain. That's why the whip's the preferred instrument for inflicting that kind of damage. But cutting off the hands and feet is as likely as not to send the victim into deep shock and unconsciousness. It's too crude a torture for a man who enjoys seeing his victim's suffering. And why take the hands and feet away with him? Maybe he wanted to keep them as a memento. Surely one hand or one foot would have served that purpose. More than served it. Patterson said, and though it was still quite warm, he shuddered. Then there are the deep lacerations to the body. The dress was soaked in blood, but the material wasn't damaged, which means that the killer took the girl's dress off before he slashed her.